Hello and welcome everybody to another, I'm pretty belated, episode of Mishra's Bubble. My name is Francisco and with me I have one of my wonderful, fantastic, best co-hosts in the business. And that is Spider Space. How are you doing, Gabe? Hey, yeah, I, I get to just take the crown now. Uh, Evan's not here and just you know, just toss his name in the garbage and <laughs> run a victory lap like, I am the co-host. <laughs> it's just the co-host now, you know? There's no, right. there's no one of my. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it's been uh, a pretty pretty long hiatus that was definitely unwanted. It was just a long string of uh, coincidences that made scheduling for us to record basically impossible. So we finally caved in and this is we're gonna we're gonna be steering this ship two man style uh, for a little bit until things start to to get back to normal. but I think we can do this, man. I think we can do this. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just been too long since we've we've been at it. I I, I think we can we can still make some some decent uh, decent magic hangouts for you. At least that's well, I, this will be the 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 tester, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, if we speak historically, whenever we've had like a two man uh, episode, we've ended up going like three hours or more. So uh, that's not, that's not the po- do that one. <laughs> yeah, that's the potential downside of this setup that we have right here. <laughs> so. <laughs> Watch out for that. We're gonna have to keep it to ourselves a little bit, you know. Get a get a stay in place. But yeah, how, how have you how have you been, man? Ah, uh, I'm I'm doing all right. I, I feel like a, a lot's been been going on in in all our lives, frankly. So it's uh, it's been tough. I did actually make it out to Pittsburgh, so I, I actually went and hung out with Evan out there. I went to the the SCG event. Uh, which was which was pretty fun. It was actually the first magic event I've done in a long time, where maybe ever uh, like actual event, not not just like pre-release or something, where I'm just hanging out and not like playing the main event, doing that kind of thing. The main event, uh, for reference, was a limited event. Uh, I was like team limited, team sealed, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have folks to do the sealed, so it was just like oh, I'll just like do a couple of the 10ks and hang out. And I actually had a blast. Like it, it, it was wild how much. Uh, more fun I feel like I had than like going to like the GP and like all right I'm here to win you know not not that I didn't have fun in those but it's just it's a it's a real different experience. Yeah, for sure. It's like a little bit more of a less pressure, I guess, or like there's self-inflicted pressure in a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a, I imagine it can be a different different experience. For sure. Uh, but yeah, myself I. Went to the first show in a really long time yesterday. Went to see my my friend play live at the Whiskey Agogo, which is a well known place here in LA. And it was fun, man. It was fun to see live music again because it's been a really long time. Um, to be fair, I've been playing gigs myself, but it's a different thing to same deal. You know, it's one thing <laughs> when you go play the gig, or when you just go to hang out and see others do the work for you. You know. <laughs> So. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I I, I had that, a similar experience some months back. I like finally went and saw my first show since the pandemic had hit, and it was like, this is this is great. I, I like went on a whole stint and was like trying to find every show in the area. Afterwards, was like, I I got it. I got to make up for lost time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My wife got me for my birthday. Uh, my wife got me tickets to see Thank You Scientist this weekend. So. Nice. I'm kind of looking at the calendar, just like 
scratching scratching the days until until it finally happens. But yeah, really looking forward to that one. Well, that means uh, happy belated birthdays are due, right? Yeah. We, we so. probably, I don't think we've recorded since my birthday happened, <laughs> which was April 21st. So it was a, a long time ago, but it's been, it's been, it's been land long, man. I, I feel like there's some joke about primetime math in there of like, you know, it's just, you, you <laughs> skip numbers, you, you get to the big one, something like that. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> it. It's not, it's not that deep. Okay. Uh, all right. But. <laughs> what is deep, however, is what's been happening with uh, with magic. And speaking of uh, putting in the work, as we were saying a little bit ago, there's this little birdie that's been has been putting in a lot of work, huh? The bird lawyer. Yeah, um, he's got a job, and he also very very strategically dodged our review episode, and we totally <laughs> missed this bad motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> But it looks like uh, this guy is here to stay, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who don't know what we're referring to, we're talking about Ledger Shredder, which uh, I think actually a lot of people missed. Um, I will say, I will give credit where credit is due. Aspiring Spike was all over that. And I actually myself saw him being so about it and was like, ah, like, you know, I, I, I like Spike and I respect Spike. But sometimes I feel like people can, you know, they, they, they get on a hype train or something and then they start drinking their own Kool-Aid. And I was, I was like convinced. I was like, Ledger Shredder, it's not actually that good. And then, and I've actually completely come around on it. And it's interesting because people are even still, uh, not all on the same page. Like some people still are like, this card is terrible. Like I'll, I'll be in like a shadow stream or something. Like, what do you, what do you think of Ledger Shredder? And people are like, worst card ever. Don't play it in the deck. I'm like, but, what? What? No, <laughs> no. Turns out that the the bird lawyer actually does a lot of work, and I feel like one of the big things that I missed about this is the fact that it triggers off of your opponent doing stuff. Yeah. So I, I'm not even going to bother uh, reading the card because we are really late on this. Like <laughs> it, 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 we we are talking about this because it's the first time we record in literal months, but. Um, we totally miss the fact, at least me personally, that this triggers off of your opponent playing two spells in this in a single turn. And if they play two spells on their turn and then they play two spells on your turn, you can actually trigger multiple times in the same turn. Like one because of your two spells and another time because of your opponent's two spells in the same turn, which is kind of insane. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't realize... There's a lot of modern decks that want to play two spells a turn, and in fact, modern's all about efficiency, so presumably if you have this card in your deck, you're about efficiency, and a lot of your opponents are going to be as well. So it, it, it grows pretty quickly, it gives you some nice, pretty free card selection. Um, this card's been making waves, probably the, the, the most tiered deck would be in, in Blue Red Murktide, but we're also seeing in some other shells like Shadow, like Asmo shells. Basically, if your deck is playing blue and it's playing creatures, people are trying it. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, but yeah, so let, let's talk about why this card is, is, is so good. So the very first thing to, to talk about is the fact that you can play this guy on turn two, and then you just play a bubble. Yep. Mishra's bubble, still dodging the ban list like an absolute champion, and still enabling some broken stuff. So, um, 
yeah, you can just make it immediately into a 2-4 if you are discarding anything. And what that does, obviously, is it gets it out of Lightning Bolt range, which is a very, very big deal. There's also the fact uh, that you get to choose what you discard. So if you're trying to make your hand better, you are kind of giving up on the, the plus on the sun counter, but you get to make your hand better, which is good for you. And if you're building your deck with this in mind, you can actually take advantage of discarding the card. So we have seen archetypes like are like Phoenix make a resurgence because of this card. Like you can actually discard your Phoenix, you put a plus one, plus one counter on this, which is a flying threat, right? Like it's already a threat with evasion that can get pretty big. And then you discard your Phoenix in the process, which honestly feels unfair. Straight up unfair. I, uh, I actually got a... 5.0 publish. I did a co-stream with Evan on that one. Uh, it was like a blue-black reanimator deck with Shredder, so you're trying to discard Archon, exactly what you're saying. I actually had a delightful realization when I played that league, when we played against Living In, because it turns out, whenever your opponent plays a Cascade spell, they're casting two spells. And if they're playing Living End, you just it immediately just puts the Archon from your hand into the graveyard and back into play. <laughs> well, that's glorious. Please tell me that you won't because of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. De- <laughs> definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's insane, dude. Like that, That's actually crazy. It, it, it was really good. I, I really liked it. The, the deck is not, you know, I don't think Reanimator really in any form is like it like fantastic archetype in modern but i i do think that this card does help decks like that because it, it, it just can kind of declunk your deck uh mm-hmm. we've seen it play a somewhat similar role in some of the asmo strategies um there you get to discard oval chase daredevil and then you play any artifact the oval chase returns to your hand anyway so it actually just can read draw a card while pumping it which is obviously fantastic and of course asmo has synergy with it and the deck just has some clunk otherwise so it just does everything that that deck wants to do um i I will say i think that this card plays particularly well with a couple different things one of them is any type of cantrip so that allows you to play multiple spells every turn so you're always triggering it but the other thing that i think it's actually really good with other than those like situational things like we talked about that you want to go to the graveyard, uh, is, is, is stuff like discard spells, right? So, you know, if your deck wants to Thought Seize you on turn one, Thought Seize is great on turn one. But if we get to turn six, Thought Seize is actually pretty terrible. And then if I can just loot it away and grow my bird, then guess what? It's, I don't even care. Right? I, I don't care that I drew that late Thoughtseize. So it, it, it really plays an interesting role in a lot of these decks, and it, it, it kind of seemed innocuous at first, but just to really drive home the point of how good people think this card is, they are cutting Merktide Regent in some numbers from, from Blue-Red Merktide for Shredders. So... Just, just think about that. You know, we've had we've had some people also likewise trimming DRCs, and and when you are ever cutting either of those cards for anything, you know that something something's up. Yeah, and, and that's that's a great point that you that you're just making, and this is kind of an interesting discussion that that I wanted to have with you is how does this card change number one deck building, and number two play patterns, right? So. 
I feel like if you really want to build your deck with this card and you want to try to maximize this, I feel like there are certain things that you kind of have to start to engrave into your head. And what you say about the Thoughtseize was actually the perfect example. So, if you have a Thoughtseize and you draw it on turn 5 or whatever, in the past your opponent has one card in hand, and you would kind of, you know, you draw the Thoughtseize, you cast it because you kind of want to get that one card that maybe it's good, maybe it's a land, but you just want to know. You know, like that that's like something that happened very commonly. Now, that's actively bad in a very in a very wide variety of scenarios because you may draw this guy, right? You may draw your Shredder, you play it, and then any other spell that you can play, and you can either loot the Thoughtseize away, or you can go Shredder into Thoughtseize, and then if you were holding onto a land, which now, by the way, much more incentive to be holding onto lands because of this very reason, if you're holding onto a land, you can go Shredder into Thoughtseize, you can see the cost is clear, but you also get to turn your land into hopefully a real spell. So I feel like there's a lot of play patterns that are going to be we're gonna, that people are going to need to start adapting to. Yeah, I think they already have even. That's a that's a that's a good point. That's right. We're too late for this, huh? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it is worth mentioning. Like, I I, I do think you want to talk about it because. You know, not everyone has played with the card or has played a bunch against the card. And I, I, I think there's a lot of decisions to be made. It almost, playing against it, it almost reminds me a little bit of Esper Sentinel, where some people are way too happy to just give you the loot. They give it to you way too often. Uh, and there's other people who will actively hurt their own game plan and not play how they should play because they're too afraid of giving you the loot and the 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 truth is you want to get somewhere in the medium and it's all very situational the classic magic answer that everyone always loves of it depends but it really does depend but you know i I, i've had people do this you know i I played against like uh it was like a blue white affinity deck and my i had a ledger shredder out and my opponent had three mana and they just went mem knight go because they didn't want to trigger my ledger shredder. And it's like, mm-hmm. what? What? Really? <laughs> yeah, how are you ever winning this game? Like, I'm triggering whenever I want, and you're just, like, basically time-walking yourself <laughs> for no real reason. But the the cards that, as far as deck building, uh, we already mentioned Mishra's Bobble. I, I really don't think you should play this card without playing Mishra's Bobble. The good news for you is that Mistress Bobble's a pretty good card, and you probably already wanted to play it with your other pretty good card in DRC. Uh, and guess what? If you're in red, another great card to go with this is Expressive Iteration. Hey. So lots of just here's two cards and all the things you wanted to be doing anyway. Uh, so that it's, it's kind of weird. Like the deck building restrictions aren't that large. Um there are some interesting things you can do otherwise, as we mentioned with graveyard payoffs. We've had some people do like unearth shenanigans. Otherwise, I do think it plays decently with the card Snapcaster, just by nature of you're playing two spells um, for relatively cheap a lot of the time. It does a weird thing as well in, and this is on the play pattern side of it gets big and it flies, which means opposing DRCs can actually be a liability. Uh, so whoever has the shredder um, 
those DRCs are not going to like it because you're forced to swing into it. So you can have a situation where you have maybe a couple of two, four shredders or maybe a three, five shredder, something like this. And then DRC is just forced to go directly into combat and die to it just like it would any other flying or reach creature. Uh, the other thing is it makes some of your hate against these decks worse so it used to be that you know you play against Murktide deck, you're going to bring in all your graveyard hate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, now let's say you know I played against maybe four color, right? Four color control, and my opponent goes rest in peace. Well, guess what? If I go Ledger Shredder Bobble, I can just get rid of that Murktide now. Like no, no big deal. Let's continue the game. So. It, it, it changes those dynamics. It changes how people have built those decks with less Merktides in the deck anyway, just because they only wanted so many creatures. Um, so I, I, I think particularly with Blue-Red Merktide, playing with or against that deck, some of those play patterns will change. I haven't played the Mirror myself since uh, Ledger Shredder came out, so I'm not exactly sure what that dynamic looks like. Are people now like... For instance, trimming DRC, maybe. Um, and on the, on the same kind of line, it's like, well, now how aggressively do you want to bring in all that graveyard hate that you before took at a real premium? I know one of the other cards we didn't really talk about was the Unlicensed Hearse, and that mm-hmm. card was really good at stopping Murktide, but now if you have Shredder, it's you don't need Murktide as much, so it then you get circle around to, okay, well... Do I want this card for basically only the mirror? And they can kind of play around it anyway. <laughs> One thing that we're talking about here is we're talking about like a bunch of synergies with the card, right? And, and that's why the card is so good. Like there, it, there's like a bunch of very uh, small synergies that just naturally line up together, right? Now, what happens if you don't have access to that synergy? Like, are you still interested in a card like this? For example, I, I and I speak this out of a little bit of experience. I tried this bad boy in my Grixis Hidetsugu control deck. Spoilers: it was not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> so, um, so I guess I'm just answering my own question here because I actually had some experience with this. But um, basically, if you don't have as many synergies going on. All of a sudden, this guy becomes like a little bit more clunky, and it does grow pretty quickly. But you need to make sure that you're getting something out of it growing in a way. Just it, it just feels like just the card selection is not enough. Like there, the bar that a deck a deck needs to um, to pass, like a card needs to pass in order to be included in any deck right nowadays in modern, is absurdly high, right? So I feel like all of these tiny little pieces matter. So when all of a sudden you just play the bird and you don't really have any good way of taking advantage of the synergy besides, well, I just grab this land that is bad and I turn it into an actual card. It feels a little bit lackluster. That was my experience, at least. Have you tried the deck in in, in any shell that, that doesn't really have anything else that you're kind of aiming towards doing with the, with the uh, the actual uh, cantrip ability? So you mean a deck that didn't have, like, graveyard synergies? Basically, yeah. Or, or like, you know, madness or something like that. You know, that, that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, so the 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 decks that I've played it in so far were the blue black reanimator deck and a I tried blue black and blue red asmo. So I guess the answer is no, but I also you know it's one of those things of like you have to be playing those bobbles and if you're playing the bobbles you need more you need more reason to play the card, right? Like mm-hmm. you're not just going to play like not every deck in modern wants Mishra's Bobble. It's not Mishra's Bobble is a card that has a very low opportunity cost, but you know, it it still doesn't mean that, oh, I'm gonna put it in my Amulet Titan deck, right? Um Although maybe you've done that. I, who knows? Maybe you're out here like playing Ledger Shredders and Mishra's Bobbles and Titan. <laughs> uh, I mean, I only did so with half of those cards that you're talking about. But... <laughs> 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 Yo, Ursa Saga was printed. I had to I had to see what happened if I turn it into a cantrip. It was not good, okay? Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would have tried it. I was like, before I like, let me just put this one out there. Um, yeah, I, I, I imagine you want to put it in a deck that's already doing these things of playing lots of cheap spells. So yes, that's a low opportunity cost because that's what a lot of modern wants to do anyway. But if it's such the case that you're playing a deck like Titan that isn't multi-spelling most turns probably don't want it in the deck. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen many decks that fall into this category. The only one that I can think of off the top of my head is I, I faced an affinity deck like Blue-White Affinity. And I mean, we're talking about the deck that wants to be playing Bubble, but for a different reason. And the deck was very good at triggering the Shredder because, you know, it had thought cast and thought monitors and all that stuff. But... It didn't look as impressive, I, I, I would say, um, because they weren't really taking any advantage. Sure, like they were discarding Lance or whatever, but, you know, that is only so good. <laughs> Particularly because when you discard your Lance, you don't grow the Shredder, right? So um, you kind of want to be growing the Shredder and getting value by doing so, which is not the case if you're discarding Lance. It's an interesting example because I had been thinking about trying it in an affinity shell, hadn't gotten around to it. Um, there, there are cards that you do actively want to discard in the mid to late game in affinity. You know, you draw your turn five Springleaf drum, and it's like, you know, great, I'm dead. Um, but it's weird because you can very quickly dump your hand. So you know, even if you gas back up, you know, you play your thought monitor and then you draw your memnite or something. It's like if I if I go thought thought cast and I draw Shredder land, well, I'm not really in a great position to now abuse Shredder again, and I just need to draw another thought cast effect. Which, spoiler, that's what you wanted to draw anyway. And Shredder isn't really helping you get there. It's only working if you're already there. So I don't know. That that's an interesting case that I could see it not necessarily doing as much as you would hope. Um, I mean, there's always the thing of you, you play against your own, you know, the opponents on Blue Red Murktide or something, and it's like, oh, well, you know, got him. Um, I will also note, I think people haven't totally adapted to playing against it. I know uh, some of the creativity, uh, the indomitable creativity community I talk with were like, oh, yeah, you, you just play more Lightning Bolts now because it kills your opponent's Shredder. You do it in response to the trigger, and I'm over here thinking, like, wait a minute i uh i think i was watching what, did, what was it 
I know somebody, I, I think somebody was streaming, uh, maybe it was, um, uh, misplaced ginger was streaming it and he played shredder and had consider and he didn't play the consider right away. And his opponent went to the end step and then went, try to bolt your shredder. And then he went consider trigger shredder loot counter, you know, bolt doesn't kill it. So it, it's a weird thing of like, yes, bolt can kill it, but if your opponent realizes that then it, it it can get very awkward for you where it's like oh you kept up mana to kill it over my turn but now you're forced to do it on your turn and not do something else first so it, it just kind of makes your opponent play more inefficiently in so many different ways not not just the oh you're, you're gonna try to you know not play two spells so that I can't trigger it, but you also have to be aware of like, oh, you know, you can, I can use my, my consider as a combat trick. <laughs> That's pretty sexy, actually. That's pretty sexy. Um, yeah, for sure. No, it's, it's one of the things where just like, I feel like it's, it's the kind of card that people love because of exactly what you're saying in terms of its skill testingness. Like it feels like that's not a reward, but bear with me. Uh, so basically you need to keep all of these things in mind and you need to know, put your opponent on like whatever level they are at and then you can outplay them in, in that way. Like it, that's that's the kind of thing that, that, that I was saying earlier in terms of t- play patterns that need to be adapted, you know? Even doing stuff like, you know, you're trying to spit out your hand for whatever reason, but maybe it's better to just only play one of your spells and hold up your mana for like a removal or whatever. And then on the following turn, double spell again, get another connive trigger, get it some extra value, because obviously this triggers only with the second spell. Uh, that's how it's worth. So any spells past the second one uh, don't trigger it, which is like one of the things that I'm thinking right now that makes it awkward with affinity, right? Like, because you kind of want to spit out your hand as fast as possible. And this card is kind of telling you, well, no, you actually have to pace yourself and, you know, if you want to get the most out of the the shredder, you kind of have to not do it all in, in one swoop. You have to actually pace yourself and do it strategically. So feels very like it feels like a very interesting uh, card to to work with to play with. I the thing I've been wondering about is specifically seeing if shadow will sort of evolve from it at all so yes you have the whole discard your your discard spell thing that i was talking about um and you also have some good graveyard synergies of you know you're turning on your unholy heats and you can pitch croxa which obviously you know that that is so good of just you know play my spell put the thing that i want in the graveyard in the graveyard grow my thing it's gravy but you get to that late turn of you know whatever it was the turn six and if 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 Thoughtseize is your only spell, then you're you're probably not triggering it anyway. And if you're discarding your opponent, then they're probably not triggering it. So I wonder if we see a return to more cards like Cling to Dust, or if they decide, oh, you know, I actually do have to try to play like Consider in my deck as well as Thoughtseize. You know, I, that that deck is hard to figure out because you're in three colors, which offers a lot of very good cards, and you. You just don't have space for everything. Yeah, and you and two of those are 
literally the best colors in the format, right? In blue right. and red. So, right. like, you could play just those two colors and you would have more than enough good cards to be playing with, but you're also adding black, so you have even more cards that are good that you want to be playing with, uh, which is very funny. Uh, but, but yeah, th- this card has really taken, taken over. Um, so very impressive and uh, a little bit unexpected the amount of work that this card uh, really does. You know, like you think two mana, one, three flyer, that's just like so below rate for what we're used to in modern. But it turns out that uh, the other line of text matters quite a bit. <laughs> and, and, and everything about that other line of text matters a lot right like there's if it exiled the card instead of of putting it in the graveyard it would be so much worse if it didn't get the counter it would be so much worse you know like there's just so many little things that lined up uh, in the in, in the right way to to make this card uh, a staple a multi-format staple actually it's like 60 tickets on mtgo which is ridiculous yeah <laughs> absolutely ridiculous and believe it or not this was not the only card that we missed but the second one we actually did touch on, okay? We actually did touch on, uh, we're gonna be talking about Unlicensed Hearse. This is uh, a sideboard card, really. I have not seen any deck main deck in this, at least in modern, seen some, some main decks in Legacy, but not in modern. And it's a two mana vehicle that when you tap it, you exile two target cards from a single graveyard, and then its power and toughness are equal to the number of cards exiled with it, and it has crew two. So what this bad boy does is, it hoses Merktide. That's basically what it's there for. But it solves. It also kind of works really, really well versus uh, some some other decks. Like for example, obviously uh, Living End. That's uh, the the very first one that comes to mind. If your opponent's playing something like Asmo, like, as you were saying earlier, same thing. And this is the kind of card that you can kind of bring in, in the same way that Relic is brought in. Uh, which is not the same as Leyline, right? A card like Leyline, rest in peace. Those cards are like major hosers, right? Like you want to be bringing those whenever you know that they're going to KO your opponent or cripple them uh, pretty significantly. Uh, you can bring in Analysis Her, or you can use it pretty effectively in matchups where it's kind of like a little bit of value. You know, like, like you know what I'm saying? So stuff like against Merktide in particular, is where it shines uh, the brightest, really, because you're doing... Because it's targeted exile. You actually get to pick carefully what is that's going to stop your opponent from having Delirium, which makes uh, your Unholy Heat so, so much better. Uh, so much worse, uh, sorry. Um, and the same is true for uh, Murktide as well. So you can carefully exile the uh, the instants and sorceries, and not only are you delaying the Merktide, but also if your opponent manages to to finally get there, um, the Merktide is going to be much, much smaller. So uh, how do you feel about Unlicensed Hers, uh, Spider? Yeah, I, I kind of briefly mentioned it there when I was talking about the, the new Merktide play patterns. And I, I actually think it's not that good still. Uh, I, I think it was very good specifically against Merktide. I think that is less true now because of Shredder. I don't really like it that much against a lot of the rest of Modern. I, I think the only other good example would be Living End. And it it's interesting because it can be better, but it can also be worse where, you know, it costing more mana can be such a deal breaker 
of, you know, like if I'm on the draw against living end and they manage to put a bunch of things in their yard, I can't, you know, for instance, play this and hold up spell pierce or play this. And, you know, even if I can hit some of the better cards, they're still going to get it off. Whereas, you know, with, with relic, you still always have the safety valve of, okay, you know, it's just gone. Um, so it, it's really just for these weird kind of like graveyard centric kind of mid rangey matchups that I really like it. And we just don't have that much like Jund, right? Like I think it would be pretty good against Grixis Shadow, which notably is maybe coming back. I know people have jokingly been saying GSL of like Grixis Shredder or Grixis, GLS of Grixis Ledger Shredder or Grixis Ledger Shadow, whatever, whatever the the thing is. Um, if that deck's back, you know, maybe it's it's pretty good there. Probably, you know, just like hit your croaks a turn off Delirium. You know, it's particularly against the card DRC. That can be such a liability of you're forced to attack and then they just exile the stuff so it's no longer flying and then they like eat it with their shadow or something. And it's like that, that is awful. That's miserable. <laughs> um, it's probably pretty good against the card Tarmogoyf as well, right? Um, but who's who's playing Tarmogoyf? Poor Goyf, I feel like has gone from not existing to being really, really good during the, the John Saga days. And then Lurus was banned, and everybody forgot about the, the good old Goifo. Uh, it kind of saddens me a little bit. I mean, people are still trying to play GDS. Uh, you know, they're they're, they're they're trying to do... Or not GDS, sorry, JDS. Uh, Jun Death Shadow. Um, or, I guess, Jun Saga kind of overtook that. You know, I think we actually saw some in the paper tournament this... this was it that this last weekend? Whatever, recently... Yeah. Yeah, it was actually this past uh, this past weekend the DreamHack event. We're gonna talk, touch on that a little bit later. Yeah, but the the point being, I, I I do think that the Jun Saga deck still has something to it, even without Luris. But it it really has fallen off, and it's I don't know. Like, is there <laughs> what is the best Tarmogoyf deck? It probably is uh, the the Jun Saga deck, right? Like, they're just really isn't another one yeah it's weird like it, it feels like it feels like there's just all of a sudden the, the whole point of tarmogoyf was okay this bad boy actually survives on holy heat that's what makes it great right and then what happened is all of a sudden green became bad <laughs> like that's that's basically what happened because the only context in which green sees play nowadays is in the four color deck, right? Like all the other decks are just well, this there's this ledger shredder boy that got printed, so I want to play more blue. Like why would I play green if I can just play Grixis or just straight up blue red? You know what I'm saying? So if I'm trying to do this thing, what's the point? Well, you say that I I don't know if I agree with that. So I I have a couple reasons. The the first being I think. I still think that Renin Six is just one of the best cards in the format, um, and obviously the four color deck is the main example of Renin Six. Just aren't a lot of the other decks aren't playing it, but Green also gets access to some of the best sideboard cards in the format. I, I feel like it's kind of taken the role that White used to have, where White would be like, "Oh, it's you know, it's the support color. You you play." You know, get you these like crazy hoser sideboard cards. 
Now that's green. Now you get Endurance, and you get Force of Vigor, and you get Veil of Summer, and all of those cards are very, very good, but kind of only in specific places. Mm -hmm. And the weird and somewhat unfortunate part about all of these cards is that, well, maybe the exception of Veil, is that you really need to be a very green deck to play them, either to cast Endurance, or if you're looking to pitch either one of them, your deck needs a lot of green. So it's, it, it occupies this weird space. I mean, we have seen like a rise of prominence of Yawgmoth, which is kind of an exception of they're not really just doing like good cards dot deck. They're, they're like playing a, a specific synergy slash combo deck. Uh, Primetime is the same kind of thing. Um, but there's not a lot of green otherwise. There's like Rhinos and there's Living End plays a decent amount of green as well. So those decks will play those cards in the sideboard. But obviously those decks can't play Tarmogoyf and Primetime or, you know, like Amulet Titan and, and Yawgmoth aren't interested in just, you know, here's this big two mana thing. Because Tar Tarmogoyf is just the classic, like, here's my efficient beater, right? It's, it's like the good card dot deck beater, right? That's what it always was. But now if you're playing the good cards dot deck, how green are you? No, and it's really funny as you were saying all that, I'm like, oh yeah, those are a lot of green decks. And yeah, exactly. None of them can really play Goyf. So <laughs> it's just weird <laughs> in how it lines up. Like it's it maybe it's not the fact that it's bad or, or anything like that. It's just like all of the decks that you name, including the four color deck as well. Right? Like the four color deck plays a fair amount of green between like recent Phenomenath and all of these cards, but like that deck's just not interested in the Tarmogoyf. Like it just can it needs interesting stuff that do that give value with, with their ETVs. So it's really funny how the metagame has kind of sort of evolved to, to a point where yeah, like Goyf just doesn't fit anywhere. <laughs> the goyf doesn't have a good home what a, what a weird concept it used to be people were like splashing green into decks that did like you remember like teamer splinter twin where it's like mm -hmm. i'm just twin but i put green for tarmogoyf like what what a time to be alive we, we've come so far yeah those were the days man those were the days but but yeah so all of this because we were talking about unlicensed herb Hers, which is again, I think that it, this card, I think it has a place. I think it has a place, and what you're saying about like Goif not being good doesn't stop this card from being good against what would be the Goif decks. You know, like <laughs> when I'm thinking of Goif decks, is exactly what you're talking about, like the the Johns of the world, which is just like good cards dot deck. Well, it turns out that the other good cards are dot deck. Still follow the same strategy, except that the new name for Tarmogoyf is Death Dragon's Race Channeler and Ledger Shredder, you know, and like uh, Croxa. Like, th those are the names of Tarmogoyf. Murktide Region is probably like the Tarmogoyfest of them all, which is just <laughs> like a flying beater, but on steroids, you know. <laughs> so, uh, it's really funny how, you know, Goyf is not bad, but all the new versions of, of Goyf it happens to line up well against those. So as long as those are popular, I feel like Alassan's Herd is a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid consideration as a cyber card. And even like uh, Jose Moniz, my 
my former co-host in the Titan Talk podcast, he has been championing a couple of copies in the Cyborg of Amulet, which I find very interesting because Merktide is historically a, tr- a tremendously bad matchup, like just an awful matchup. Don't know that I understand that. I'm I'm curious, like if you if you know what his logic there is, if you're happy to share it here, because that that's really interesting to me. I, I would never think to put that in Titan. You know, it's like if I'm doing the Titan thing, then I'm already doing well. And if you're stopping the Titan thing, then the hearse can't really do. It can't like hit you for the ton of damage. So like, what does it what does it do there? Well, one th- car that stops the Titan thing is called an Holy Heat. Ah, Hearse <laughs> blanks the car and Holy Heat. Hmm. Interesting. Yep, <laughs> that's literally what it does. <laughs> it also stops DRCB downs, which which is cool as well. But like the main reason why the matchup is so bad is like you go through all this trouble to put a Titan into play. Your opponent spends one mana and deals with it, and then they just tempo out of the game. Like sure, the Titan resolves; it gets it gets you some value, but then it just doesn't matter because you're still getting tempoed out by like a big Merc Tide or you know like a an aggro DRC hand. Uh, but that just, if you play a hearse on turn two, also Merktide is weird, but deck lists uh, are playing no answer to a card like that whatsoever. Like, you have to answer it in a very awkward way with like engineered explosives or something, but there's literally no a braid style card or like, uh, you know, a shattering spree. That, those style of cards that we've seen in the past they're just playing none of those so they have no real way like if the harris hits play that's it that's good to go yeah they need uh maybe one of the bounce effects like a brazen borrower or otawara but yeah that is a strange idea right that you just don't play any kind of a braid any any type of shatter you'd think that like chalice of the void or something would be good against them but i guess kind of like tarmogoyf there's just there really isn't a chalice deck. Like there's a small argument towards like blue white control sometimes plays it, usually in the sideboard. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it's 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 always been sort of a a minigame deck, a, a minigame card, anyways. Um, so you know, maybe right now it's not the time for chalice or whatever, and then that that will come back. I, I don't know, man. Like I, I think I think about chalice, and it's just like. It always feels kind of busted to me. <laughs> I love... Okay, okay. As a former Chalice of the Void gamer, mm-hmm. <laughs> my 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 real thing for you here is just R.I.P. Simeon Spirit Guide. All right? Like, that. that's the only reason that I, I would not be playing Chalice. It's because you try to play against your opponent and you're on the draw. It's like, oh, here's turn one Ragavan. And you, you like... You you can't even turn one the chalice. You like even on the play, you're like you're, you're like here you go. And they're like play the ragavan. You tap out. You play your chalice, and you're like, well, okay. Did I did I even do it? Do I do I win? Like probably not. Um, I don't know. I, I I really think that that speed element is is such an important part of the card. And I know that you know even uh, Etron back in the day that was like the chalice deck, and they they didn't really play that card. Um, they mm-hmm. didn't really play Simeon. Um, but I also think that Etron has been largely displaced. Like the, the, that, that strategy just is viewed as like not competitive and modern anymore. And I don't, I don't know if that's like big mana just lines up poorly. Or I, I mean, personally, I think all of the Eldrazi just kind of suck now. 
because your opponents like either they have unholy heat or they have solitude and TKS and Smasher just don't dodge those cards or they fly over. That's right. the other thing. Like it just feels like, uh, and this is something that I felt as an amulet player. Is like sometimes I'm just like doing my thing, and if I don't kill their threats, it doesn't matter all the all the value that I'm getting. I'm just dead on the next turn, and I can't do anything about it. It feels like keyword reach is the best that it's ever been since it became a keyword. In like <laughs> I think it's like oh six, like somewhere in there when they changed the wording, but. Being able to block flyers is a huge deal in modern. Like, that's what makes a card. We were argumenting the other day. I, I don't know in whose stream it was, but I was saying that low key, I think endurance is the best elemental out of this the entire cycle. Because of that, it's the one that you cast the most by, by a lot. And even when it's bad, it's so good still. Like, even when it's bad and you just, you know, play it on your opponent's you know, control deck opponent's end step. Like, it just beats down for three. That's pretty real. That adds up really, really quickly. And when it's good, it just straight up wins the game by itself. Oh, I like the card a lot. Um, I, I like it a lot, a lot. I, that, that's that's really funny you, you say that. Because it's like, you're just making the point about, like, needing reach or getting outsized. Can, can you imagine your opponent taps out for... A Merktide region. Let's say it's like a seven-seven, right, or even a six-six. It doesn't either. Either way, and even though you know, let's say they have counterspell up, doesn't matter. You have your counter souls. You're like, you're feeling good. You're like, all right, you can't stop me. Here's a Smasher. And then what? You just say go because your Smasher <laughs> can't get through the Merktide. Like, and that's and then they then they spend one mana, and it's dead. Like, yeah, oh, they had to discard a card, but. You know, that's assuming they even have to kill it. So, yeah, I don't know. The the Eldrazi feel like... I mean, Eldrazi and Tarmogoyf, maybe, maybe Tarmogoyf less so, but certainly the Eldrazi feel like uh, something from a modern of, of times past. Yeah, no, certainly so. Uh, Tarmogoyf is more of a competition thing, while Eldrazi is more of a... There's just... It just doesn't work anymore, right? Like, this, this used to be efficient to the point of a banning... It used to be good, and now it just isn't. Although I guess that if you bring back Ayavug, and all of a sudden the Drossy would be playable again. Oh, it'd be it it definitely be playable if you yeah, had Ayavug. Yeah, I, I don't that, know. Probably... I don't know if it would be like that. I mean, that that's an interesting discussion, and I, I don't know how much time we want to spend on that. But that is an interesting thought experiment of like how good is just full power Eldrazi nowadays? Like I I don't I don't know. I mean, of note that that original colorless Eldrazi deck did play Simeon, right? Mm-hmm. And you you don't have that anymore. You don't get to do the turn one chalice thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true for sure. Um, yeah, it, it makes me think, you know, like it's, it's one of those things. I remember some no list modern decks in Eldrassi being all over the place. But all of these cards that we're talking about, like Solitude, uh, you know, uh, and Holy Heat, like all of these cards did not exist when those tournaments happened. Like what does a no list modern tournament look like right now uh, and i don't know if Adrasi would be as good as it once was honestly yeah maybe not anyway so that was an interesting thought we definitely wanted to spend some time covering these cards uh because we missed them pretty broadly <laughs> we particularly shredder wasn't even in our top 10 and it wasn't in our honorable mentions like 
we didn't even touch that car. Right? It ended up almost breaking <laughs> the format in half. So whoopsies, <laughs> whoopsies. Um, but have have you tried any other cards that that if from that list that, that we talked about? I know that you tried the Tainted Indulgence. Played a lot of Tainted Indulgence. I, I put that in a lot of decks, and it wasn't very good in most of them. Uh, <laughs> I think the best one was probably that that. Uh, blue black reanimator shell I mentioned five owing with uh, that's a weird card because the decks that I most want to play it in need to discard so you're not even that happy when it actually draws you cards you're like <laughs> you like finally you like uh, did mission impossible and like drew just two and then you're like fuck I can't discard my archon <laughs> Uh, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I still am a believer in that card, by the way. I, I, I still think that it's one of the better draw spells in the format. It's, it's certainly no iteration, but I think after iteration, it's probably the best two mana draw spell. Yeah, that's exactly what I was, what I was going to say. I tried it in Grixis Control and that was the problem that I faced is just like, well, I could be playing iteration, like... Why am I playing? Why am I working so hard to draw two when I can just not work hard and draw two as well? <laughs> and in fact, technically, almost draw three because right. I get the choice. Right. Like it's uh, iteration is such a stupid card, which got banned in Pioneer today randomly. Um, I mean, not randomly. <laughs> it was overdue. It is instant speed. That that that's the big difference. And I, if you were playing control, that is actually somewhat appealing. Um, the thing is, you also already just have Archmage's Charm that has that f- built-in flexibility that this doesn't. But still, I mean, you know, y- if you have a blue-black-based control deck, you have a lot of options. You know, Counterspell with your Indulgence and your um, your Drown on the Locks and Archmage's Charm. You just have, like, all the counter-and-draw things in the world. So, I don't know. I, I, I think that that card, we haven't seen the end of it. You know, there's maybe more that could, that could come of it. Mm-hmm. Remind me, what else? What else did we have on that? It's it's been so long. Well, I mean, the biggest biggest flop are the triumphs. Hmm. You know, going through deck lists through, throughout all this time, I was surprised that basically no deck is actually making use of the triumphs because <laughs> the only deck that actually works in those colors, which would be Grixis Shadow wants to hurt itself so they they're not interested in playing a, 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 an actual triumph they want to be shocking uh but i'm surprised that all of the four color decks they are still playing like Kato triumph and a uh, rowing triumph that's the jeskai and the teamer ones and like i'm su- surprised that you don't see the band triumph for example but yeah i really don't know what happened there i think bant is just still kind of bad uh, which is weird to say. It's just like, why are you, why are you playing Bant and not four color control, right? Like that, that, that's the question, and and it's very hard to have a good answer. Um, I I, I pulled up. I, I think I found our old old list here. Um, I did actually try Luxier, and and it just has a similar problem of, yeah, this is cool, and yeah, it works well with Saga. Druid still sucks. Yeah. People, gave, I think, gave up on Obnixilis. I don't think they've totally given up on Vivian. I actually had some success with Vivian stuff. Basically, 
just putting it in four color and <laughs> having like a combo finish in there. I, I, the, some other people have different takes of it where they're playing like um, only one plane bound accomplice, but you can do things like Eladomri's call for it. So that that's kind of a cool little thing there. Yeah, we do we do have some Vivians of the Hunt in the top eight of the Saturday challenge, I think. Yeah, and I I think that that card is still is reasonable. I you know I I want to I I sort of went on here before having a completed thought in my head, so for, forgive me, but I feel like something to talk about is with triomes, mana bases, and maybe you know this better than most. Mana bases are very hard to build, correct? And I, I say that as someone myself who, you know, I build a lot of decks, played a lot of Magic. I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what I want to do, how I want to do it. And even so, it's 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 tough. I, I've had questions from, from the creativity uh, Discord folks where they're like, oh, hey, you know, hey, Spider, uh, we're getting all these new triomes. What are the correct triomes for creativity to be playing? You know, obvious they're all all the red ones, but which red ones? <laughs> and that's, yeah. it's actually really hard to answer. And I, I, I actually think that a lot of the four color decks, just like classic four color control, I think that their mana base is not always built correctly. I think we kind of have this case where people look at the deck and they, they just kind of copy and paste the mana base and then they make other tweaks to the deck and maybe they change like one or two, but they don't they don't really do like a deep dive on that. And so I, I, I think we're kind of in that space where it's like, are you even playing the right shocks? Are you playing the right fetches? Which triumph should you have, if any? Uh, so I, I, I wouldn't be surprised like if four color, for instance, it would be correct to play one of the Bant triumphs. Even the Naya one, right? Yeah, Naya one also also lines up well there. Yeah, I, I do I do agree with the fact that it's it's very very possible that people are just copy pasting and not thinking about it. And the, the best thing is when people copy paste a list, make changes to the card, but they don't make changes to the mana base, like messing up the curve and everything, and like changing the colors, like their color requirements across the curve, and then they can't cast their spells. And it's just like, dude, you. <laughs> if you're gonna be doing that thing, you know, you gotta you gotta do do all this stuff. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so it just feels like th- there's just so many things to keep in mind because you also have to figure out what your fetching patterns are gonna be and how they complement complement each other, right? Because like, okay, if if I have fetches, what am I fetching? Like, what triumph am I fetching first? And then what's the shock that goes alongside the triumph? Or do I want the triumph to go alongside the basic more often than not? Like, there are just so many things to consider. And this obviously changes uh, depending on the deck, right? But I'm talking about four color, which is the only one that the only, the only deck that really is is doing this sort of thing. Yeah, it's the best triumph deck. I mean, I think you have a couple control decks that are doing that, like blue white control is going to play a triome. Um, I don't know. I think they typically were doing Rogren before. Maybe they do the, the new Bant one instead. I I don't know. Um, or maybe like Esper. Who, who knows? It, there, there's so many things to think about with this. You know, I remember popping into a uh, Wafa Tapo stream and they were like trying to figure out he wanted to play a Shockland alongside the triumph so that you could get your prismatic endings to four and it was like this whole thing of like okay well how many decks are playing urborg tomb of yogmoth and how many of them are playing yavamaya and by that 
you know, which shock does that mean we should play? It's like, you know, there, there, there's so many small things that actually do matter with that. I mean, in that case, you know, that that's like the rest of the metagame. I, I know, you know, with creativity, you're just like, okay, well, which is the best fetch pattern, which is the best way to meet my color requirements. Right. And, Dude, those are hard questions. Yeah, mana bases are. I mean, it's it's no it's no uh, secret that you know Frank Carson is like the guy for mana bases, and like that guy has a PhD in math, right? So <laughs> you need a dude with a PhD in math to build a mana base properly. You know what I'm saying? Like this is this is not as easy as it may look for sure. Like there's a lot that goes into it. In any case, probably people are building this wrong. It's not gonna matter. They're gonna like just draw the the proper fetches and like fetch their way out of it anyways. But but yeah, I feel like an I see like an awful amount of just uh, teamer in just the teamer and the Jeskai Triumph in the four color decks. And it I don't know. Like, it's possible that those are the right ones to be playing, but I, it feels like people are just clinging on to old habits instead of really sitting down and figuring out whether they should actually make a change or two there we were talking about like you know tiny percentage differences as well so it can be hard to know you're you're wrong right yeah for sure but i i will say the last note of my harping on four color mana base so we can we can go on is i I think that deck just doesn't play enough fetches you just 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 play more fetches with your run and six please please do it i feel like people in general in run and six decks don't play enough fetches yeah whenever i build a run and six deck and i i I've seen Ren and Six decks with six, six fetch lands. <laughs> and I'm just like, did you read the card? Right. And whenever I build like Ren and Six decks, I have 10 or 11 in 60 card decks. Like that's... I'm trying to do 12. <laughs> I'm trying to do 12 or more. Yeah, exactly. That That's the bare minimum that I start with. And that's yeah. because I'm playing Sagas and I'm playing like a bunch of other things to take advantage of Ren, obviously. But like, I, I will never play a Ren and Six deck with less than like, 11 fetch lands because yeah. otherwise your run sucks <laughs> right like you, you're you're relying on ren and six in order to make your mana work but then you have the ren and you don't have the fetch land so <laughs> it still doesn't do anything for you yeah also there are people playing saga decks with uh, 20 lands or like 21 lands but let's not go there please because <laughs> I, will, I will just get tilted and i'll just flip the table and we, we just don't want to we just don't want to do it but in any case Let's talk about some challenges, baby. Let's talk about some some actual metagame trends and some results that have been happening uh, lately. And uh, we've been a little bit out of it, but it kind of feels like home that <laughs> we come back. We come back to uh, to to a challenge result, and you see Timor Rhinos in first place of the Saturday challenge, then Four Color in second place. But at least. We're playing Vivian. So let's talk about this for a little bit. Because this is fun for color. I'm not sure if this is good for color, okay? We won't go as far. But this is fun for color. <laughs> so we got four color and we're playing the combo, like the, the actual um, infinite combo with uh, Vivian of the Hunt. So the way that this works is Vivian is a six mana planeswalker with four loyalty. And when you plus, you basically burden pot. You sack a creature, you get something with more uh, with more CMC. So you play apparently one of copy of plane bound accomplice, 
And this is like the very first time that I've seen this, and this makes so much sense to me. So Plane by the Complice is a two and a red human wizard one three, and you pay a red and you put a Placewalker from your hand onto the battlefield and you sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So it's basically sneak attack for Planeswalkers. This is a way to combo off for only four mana. So three to play the Accomplice, one to activate it. You put the Vivian into play. Then you plus the Vivian, you sacrifice the Planebound Accomplice itself. And then you go get your Fellow the Guardian, Fellow the Guardian blinks Vivian. You plus Vivian again, sack your Guardian, go get Karmic Guide. Karmic Guide gets back the Fellow the Guardian. You, uh, you plus Vivian again, and then you sack your Guardian again, you get Kiki Jiki, Kiki Jiki copies, uh, Karmic Guide, Karmic Guide gets back Felder Guardian, Felder Guardian blinks Kiki, you win, easy game. <laughs> I, good, good job, good job. I, I, I was kind of just uh, kicking back here, you know, I, I had to explain that a lot when I was playing the Vivians, like, what's the combo? I'm like, all right, here we go. Um, it, it's worth noting you can do this. In theory, if you have Vivian in play and any three drop in play, you can do the same chain. Of course, it would just require more mana to do it. Uh, likewise, if you just already had Felidar in play, you can go that route. Notably, if you have drawn either Karma Guide or Kiki Jiki, and uh, you have to you have to actually get them into play, you can't um, you can't cheat them into play if they're just in your hands and they're one ofs. Um, so. Yeah, that makes things a little bit awkward. But what I like about this, though, is that what you were saying a little bit earlier when we briefly touched on something like this is that the way this deck is built is it's basically just four color straight up, but you kind of have all of these one-offs as a cheat I win button, right? So you kind of have all of these pieces of the combo, but you're not really all in on the combo. So, sure, if you draw your Karmic Guide or your Kiki Jiki, it's going to suck. Granted, it's a little bit less likely because you're playing 80 cards as opposed to just 60. But, you know, if, if you do, you know, sell a V, like it happens sometimes. But you're still just playing good cards overall. Like, you don't have any problem, you know, with, with just playing a bunch of these clunky, not good on their own cards in order to make your combo work. And this is the first time I see a decklist playing only a singleton copy of playing Bowed Accomplice, which is obviously a heinous card. Like, it's really bad. But it enables your combo. So when you need to enable your combo, you can just let, let Ambrose call for it and you, you go get it and you combo off. So just playing the singleton copy makes a lot of sense to me. And one thing that it's nice, and we talked about this when we analyzed Vivian, is it's just a good card, right? Like, if you make it all the way up to 6 mana, it's not Primeval Titan, but you're still getting some bang from your buck, you know? Like, you can start drawing cards, or you can start creating 4-4s, and that actually makes uh, puts some pressure on board. So, it's not one of those Planeswalkers that, you know, it's part of a one of those combo pieces that are just part of the combo and that's what they're there for. Like, this is a legit card that you can expect to cast uh, fairly regularly and without too much trouble in your four Omneth Logos of Creation deck. Right. And Vivian will just win the game. Even if you don't have that combo in play, she will just win the game by herself. And it's also worth noting that she then threatens to combo at any point until she's gone. So it, you know, she she's a she's a scary card. It's it is six mana, and six mana is 
a lot in modern, but I, I think there's something to these decks that kind of gives you a way of just closing the door that these decks might have lacked otherwise. I, I don't know that it's worth it or not. It, it's a little bit hard to say, you know, where did you need to close the door? Were you having trouble closing the door otherwise? I, I don't know. Because, uh, like, the, the, the best matchup that I can think of where it's like, oh, yeah, you just needed to kill them really fast would be, like, Belcher. But I don't think that this would be fast enough there anyway. So... Yeah, I guess you need to go, like, turn one, Utopia Sprawl, turn two, Accomplice, turn three, Wind, right? That's kind of the best thing that you can co- you can hope for. Yeah. That's uh, not super likely. <laughs> it, it, it really isn't. You know, and, and the deck that I had made with this, I, I was playing the full four plane bound. I had uh, Arbor Elf and uh, Utopia Sprawl, so in theory you could do things like turn two win, but of course you're more in on the combo. It was still it still had a good fair plan, but probably a worse fair plan than these decks because I was just playing four of this three mana one three right. Like plane bound is just not you don't you don't ever want to draw that as a as a fair card. So it, it's interesting where we're seeing how folks kind of figure this out. Um, you know, in that same kind of calculus, it's. You know, did I want to be playing uh, the uh, Eladon Call? And I, I had chosen not to because I was trying to do the thing faster. And it's like, well, I don't want to take a turn off to spend the mana to get it. But here, it's like, well, I'm just doing things fair anyway. And then, oh, by the way, I'll just grab this combo and win. Also, this list has both Bant and the Naya Triumph, so... All right. Go, go Tabunga Sisi, giving us, giving us a little bit of credit right there. Hell yeah. Making us feel less bad about it, uh, but yeah, this deck, this deck looks pretty cool. Like this is this is a way to actually interest me a little bit more in playing four color. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's you know it's funny actually that we mentioned this because I'm, I'm looking at that challenge and I see that uh, Belcher actually reached fifth place. So <laughs> it's uh, not you know it's it's still in there. And I think this is Bob forty nine, yeah. yeah. And he was saying that he he played mono four color decks on the on the <laughs> on the road to the top. And he was like, yeah, I just uh, he's in the he's in the Amulet Discord, and yeah, he he said that he just played against mono four color, and it was just easy mode, delightful. But yeah, third place. This one, I don't I don't know if we actually talked about this in the cast. Mono black coffers. How real is this deck, Spider? Please sell me on this deck, because every time I see it, I'm just I just don't get it. I, I can't remember if we talked about it either. I don't know. I feel like so first of all, there there's some different ways to build this. The one that reached fifth place here had two Golos. There's a couple of tutor targets because we're playing only three profane tutor. I think this is the the version that that Spike more popularized. There was a older build that was less tutor heavy and more removal heavy. I I feel like this deck is fine. People really enjoy playing it, which is cool because it it is it is just super sweet. I don't think that this is like a you know top tier contender or anything. You'd probably catch me playing something like Reanimator before I'd be playing something like Coffers. But, you know, if, if you like this strategy, you can do it. You can, you can you know, kill things and uh, ramp. It, it, that's what it does. You know, I, I feel like this deck is just kind of, I don't know. In, in, in a way, it's like doing all the 
bad things. Like, <laughs> I know that I'm really selling you on it there. Um, but it's like doing what Tron does, but slower. And it's killing things and removing things, but worse than decks that do that, right? Like, I, I don't know. I think we've talked about this in the past, but I think that black is the worst color in modern now. So this is, this is like, I don't know. I feel like I'm looking old me in the face where I'm like, Hey, you're just like playing mono, the bad color of the format. What, what, what you doing there? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty good, pretty good uh, assessment right there. Self-awareness is important, my friend. <laughs> uh, but no, no, I think that this, this deck is interesting. Like, first of all, the deck is built around the interaction between Cabal Coffers and Ulwork Tomb of Yawgmoth, right? But one thing that always surprises me about this deck is if you deal with the Urborg, Cabal Coffers doesn't even tap for mana a, a large amount of the time. Also, yeah. in the early game, Cabal Coffers doesn't tap for mana, period. So if you see a hand with, like, two Cabal Coffers, one Castle Loctwain, that's a three-land hand that you have to ship back because you, you literally don't have functional mana. So this deck super relies on Urborg, and something that this deck is doing is, is playing three copies of Urborg, even though it's legendary. But it feels like the deck just straight up does not function without this card. So it always surprises me that people only play two copies, and then it just gets Bosagir or something. Yeah. And now what? You know? <laughs> it's worth noting. I think, you know, if I were to play this deck, I, I think I'm looking to play the full four. I think I'm looking to play full four expedition map, full four profane tutor, and, and really kind of embracing that Tron-esque mindset of, all right, I'm going to find these things and they're going to make me a lot of mana. Yeah, I mean, half of your deck costs four mana or, or more, right? Yeah. So if your mana engine is not in place, how are you expecting to keep up with, with the modern format? It just, it just doesn't work. So I feel like that is just not only a good way, it feels like the only reasonable way to build it, particularly because you're playing so many non-swamps as well. So you, like this deck is, uh, um, by the way, this is this is sweet, Mystifying Maze. Do you know what this one does? <laughs> I, I, I definitely had to pull it up here. Fix Maze of it. Uh, I, I've actually tried this one in Amulet, of course, because I'm, I'm maniac <laughs> and I've tried everything in Amulet, god damn it. But um, it's basically Maze of Ith, except that it taps for colorless mana, and if you tap four, you activate Maze of Ith. And huh. it brings the creature back tapped, uh, which is weird. Yeah, that is weird. It actually, so it triggers ETB is, I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't, I don't understand why you would, what scenario are you in where you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to go tutor up Mystifying Maze. It's like, okay, I had an expedition map, but I already had a lot of mana but I didn't have something in the graveyard for Takanuma, and I didn't think that I had the time for Castle Lockdwain. Like it just—it it seems that's like a lot of hoops to jump through to justify putting Mystifying Maze in your deck. I guess Murktide specifically. Yeah. Or like it, it resets a Shredder. Worst case scenario. It feels like this is just Murktide. It has Murktide written all over it. <laughs> Murktide's Maze. All right. <laughs> exactly. Anti Murktide Maze. The rest of the mana base, like there's Takenuma, there's Castle Loctwain, there's Cascading Cataracts, there's Blastone, like all of those are not swamps. So without one Urborg in play, like your mana is just, your your four coffers just don't, don't tap for mana, period. So it really makes things a little bit awkward in my in my eyes, but 
But yeah, people continue to play. I feel like this should you should be playing like maybe one more land or maybe one less coffers or something like that. But like again, I think that you probably want to be playing four coffers because you want to be maximizing on that mana. I don't know if I understand needing three Castle Lockdwain. Um, you know, in 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 the case of the the challenge list, like maybe you know if I was building this, probably just do one because you you have all these ways of tutoring it anyway. And then I don't know, you know. Obviously, uh, Osmana's going to knows what they're doing. You know, they 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 managed to get third place here, but um, that that's just my initial take of like, yeah, like sure, you could justify the Takanuma and one Castle Octoin, and obviously the Cataracts is for Golos. Like you have a lot of land tutor abilities here, but you have to get to them. So just making sure your deck can can do what it needs to do without stumbling seems important, but. I don't know. I mean, this deck is super sweet. I, I really think it's super cool. I actually, uh, I mentioned Pittsburgh. It was the very first deck I got to play against uh, coming back to paper. And I uh, I lost against it because I, I missed my bobble triggers because MTGO hold it, held my hand for all those bobble triggers. <laughs> You're washed, man. I'm so washed. <laughs> Are you a washed paper player now? Is is that what's going on? I I will say by the end of the thing, I was I was feeling good. I was like, all right, I'm back, and I'm like, now nah, I'm just not gonna go play paper again for like probably another <laughs> six months. But I did I did get to play against Evan. He was like, oh, you can play my you know foil Merktide. I'll play my foil blue white, and I'm just like you know turn one Ragavan, turn two hit your Teferi with the Ragavan. I was like, oh yeah, I'm back. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I wanted. We're, we're good there. Nice. E- Evan taking one for the team. Yeah, I good, guess so. <laughs> good good team player. Good team player. So that deck's sweet. It's playing Carnegie Creator, by the way, which is something that I want to touch on really quickly. Um, I've been trying out like an interesting Druid deck. You were talking about Luxior earlier. And that's something that I tried myself, and I thought that it was very interesting. Uh, I tried it in a shell with Carnegie Creator, and um, Renan Sixes. And I was kind of excited about it. Like, it, it just lined up well. It just worked well. And Carnegie Creator lines up really well against a bunch of random strategies, I feel like. I feel like Carnegie Creator is just like a really, really under underplayed card right now. Uh, it, it lines up very, very well against stuff like Merktide, where if you put a if you put an ensnare bridge into play, they really struggle against that. So in, in the late game, it can be very good against Merc type. It's very, very good against Yawkmoth. If you have access to Peeding Needle, Grafdigger's Cage as well. Uh, obviously, it destroys Hammer Time. Also very, very good against Living End if you have a Tormod Script in your sideboard as well. Uh, it answers the Rhinos. Like a bunch of the top decks right now it just naturally lines up well against. The, the issue with Karn is that, obviously, it asks a lot of you deck-building-wise and doesn't really have a shell that I would say, yeah, this is like the Karn shell. So seeing it here uh, makes me pretty happy. Um, I, I, I currently am playing in Amulet, actually. I think like all that I said obviously applies uh, very, very much to playing Amulet, particularly because for Amulet, it fixes a lot of your bad matchups. Right, like a, a, a lot of your matchups that you otherwise really, really struggle with, um, particularly stuff like not only that, but also the you know, Bosiji was printed and Blood Moon was also the bane of Amulet's existence, right? So, Bosiji is incredible against Blood Moon. So, people, what do people do? They start playing Magus. Well, 
if your opponents play Magus, then you can cast the card under Magus, you minus it, you get Sky Sovereign. Easy game, easy life. <laughs> Just boat them uh, all the way, all the way to to that W. And I've actually played the deck with Karn, and I had that come up multiple times in <laughs> while playing in leagues. Um, so nothing like some good old old fashioned validation, you know. I think Karn's good. I, I agree. It's it's one of those cards that it feels like people should be playing more of, but. They're not really established uh, because the Karn deck uh, du jour was always Etron. Yeah. And as we already established, uh, the good old Eldrassis did not really <laughs> did not really survive the uh, the, the apocalypse. You, <laughs> you in, in, in true Mistress Babel fashion, you you got my my cogs turning here. I'm like, okay, all right. So I gotta I'm gonna play a Karn deck, and it's gotta have Chalice of the Void in it. And for a moment, I was like, it's gotta have Tarmogoyf, and then I took it out. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> No, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you this druid list. I think it's actually reasonable. I think that it needs a lot of work uh, because what I did is I had this really old school. I had the deck list in my in my MTGO, you know, like all of my MTGO brews just chilling there, and this one had Simeon Spirit Guy in it. So just just uh. let that sink in how old this deck was. Uh, but basically, was trying to do that alongside Trinisphere. And, you know, you can t- turn to the Trinisphere, which, by the way, I think it's another fantastic card in Modern right now. Yeah. Really good against Merktide, really, really good against Cascade decks. Uh, it's, it, it just it just works pretty well. And you're a deck that's ramping, and it's doing, you know, it's doing mana things. So it just kind of works in, in the deck. You're turning your Druid from costing 2 into costing 3, not that you care too much about that anyway. No, I, I do think that's interesting. The idea of being able to do the Ponza thing of a turn one ramp spell and then have a turn two high impact card. But if you can do that off of Saga, you get to also be presenting your threat while also having the prison side of it of giving, you know, your graveyard hate or your pithy needle, whatever it is. So it's actually really interesting because it's one of the few cards that you can play alongside Urza Saga that works as like a prison effect. You know, it's hard to play Teferi alongside Urza Saga and you really, you just can't do it with Blood Moon. So that's interesting. Yeah, exactly. So I I think there's something there also, which I did have come up and I thought it was sweet. I plussed Karn on my Trinisphere to attack to... (laughs) To make the, the effect not happen, and then I was able to win because of it. So you can do sweet stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> Little spice that you can that you can do as well. That's sweet. But yeah, so fourth place, Rhinos, whatever. Two Blood Moon, two Magus, we have a split there. That's basically all that is. Uh, I guess people are main decking Endurance now. The respect for Living End is real. And Murktide. And Murktide, yeah, you're right. Endurance eats so many DRCs, man. <laughs> it, it really does, yeah. As you were saying earlier, Bob49 on Belcher, an offer you can't refuse. Sell me. I don't, I don't, you, you know what? I, I have no idea. I, I look at, at Bob's Belcher lists and like, I, I it, it breaks my brain. I'm like, what, like, what scenario is it that Bob is like, all right, all right. So I need you an offer you can't, like, I, I am so positive if you ask Bob, it's like, all right, so you just recross the paths and you set up this uh, super elaborate pile. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, it probably <laughs> involves going like 
march of reckless joy and then you like do something offer you can't refuse have the ramp and then still be able to like counter with your pact when you then go off after i i have no idea fran bob is a mad genius i i I think this card's probably bad and is only good in you know uh recross the paths piles that bob has figured out i mean he qualified for the mocks this way right so clearly he's up to something yeah Ooh, this one's fun. This is the uh, the Glimpse deck, the Glimpse Cascade deck, jamming four copies of Cavern of Souls, man. There, there's just no respect anymore, right? Mana bases, <laughs> we just don't care about them. They just... You, you've been gone, friend. We, we need you to, to be the hero for modern and tell people how to build their mana bases. <laughs> we're just, yeah, we're, we're just playing Cascade spells with Cavern of Souls. Sure. And County Garden. <laughs> right. You, you, don't, you don't want your opponent to counter your stuff. And you're like, all right, you're going to counter my Cascade stuff. So guess what? I'm going to cast Omnath Locus of Creation with a Cavern of Souls. And and you know what? If you, do, if you successfully do that, you probably are winning. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to say that it's sweet that Wave Sifter at least is an elemental. Okay. <laughs> that's that's called synergy. Right. So we can actually cast our wave sifter. Too bad that Charlotte's agent is a human rogue, so we can't play a hero in the sideboard. That's that's just sad, man. That just saddens me. I I mean I'm just sad. Like th- this deck could have been tribal tutus, and instead it it became tribal elementals, and it's like <laughs> tutus are way cooler than elementals. Everybody knows that. Yeah, particularly because season pyro is it's really nice with recent reef. They are trying to play fable of the mirror breaker instead because i guess you can't cavern twice because you know human but i guess i mean this still costs red and if you have cavern out it still doesn't tap for it i, I don't know whatever man whatever who cares about <laughs> mana bases anyway not us <laughs> and then finally uh this one we did call this one we did call uh sorry there's a four color deck here but whatever <laughs> who cares about four color anyways i mean basically they they play eternal witness nowadays or they play recent reef that's that's all you need to know about about four colors sometimes they play counter spells and sometimes they don't <laughs> and if they play counter spells they maybe don't play in an amber skull or maybe they do and if they play, <laughs> if they play calls, they probably play recipes, or maybe they don't. So yeah, four color is basically choose eighty cards that you like, and play not enough lands, and then Red and Six is gonna make sure that everything works out for you. That's basically how you build a four color deck, dude. Red and Six is so good. Yes, <laughs> it's annoying how good it is because it lets people get away with so much, you know, that they shouldn't be. But yeah, uh, I just wanted to say that the Calibrated Blast got 8th place. And it's playing Shadow of Mortality. I, uh... <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it saw modern play, so, yeah. you know, check that um, one off your uh, your bingo board. <laughs> yeah, got that one. We talked about it. Ha, not so washed. <laughs> uh, shout out to, to Muniz on 9th place, getting, not putting Amulet into the top 8 on Breakers. You'll love to see it. <laughs> is that is that amulet's position in modern is just at the proverbial ninth place all the time ninth or breakers always okay yeah he, he is backing the the two copies of like unlicensed hearths like a champion and relic if that wasn't enough for you and for endurance he's ready for murktide he still lost murktide in, the, in this 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yep, that's that's just kind of how it works. Um, real quick, Asmo Time Sieve, yay or nay? Is this real or not? I okay. I think that Shredder is very good in Asmo. Uh, I think Asmo is still Asmo, so it's yeah, still not it's good. Not <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, that's such an honest answer. I love it. All right, let's move quickly to Sunday Challenge. And this is where th- weird things happen. Like, what happened here? Canister won with Grixis Shadow. Is Shadow back now? I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I still am not convinced that this is better than Blue Red Murktide. But basically, pre-Luris ban, I don't know why you would play Blue Red Murktide over Grixis Shadow. Post-Luris ban, I don't know why you would play Grixis Shadow over Blue Red Murktide. That, that, that's my opinion. You get to play Giganta the Wellspring, though, right? So no, dude, no. I, I like. I don't know. I, I like every time I, I play against this deck, and then they like, all right, I'm gonna put Giganta in my hand. I'm like, okay, like, yeah, is that are. like good? Good job, bud. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, y- y- look, look at Giganta, and then look at a Yorion coming. Like, I, I watched a Yorion come down the other day that drew five cards. And then you, and then you're like, well, here's my, here's my elk, you know. Well, but, but we're playing Shredder, so we can put Giganta in hand, draw a free card, and then we can loot it away and put a counter on our Shredder. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean that that that's probably its best use, which is not exactly a huge sell. I just figured it out for you, yeah, but it's free, and and this this goes to like. All of those Vern players out there that were not playing Lurus and were trying to justify playing Lurus. <laughs> just stop it. You were always supposed to play Lurus. Your arguments are stupid, okay? Just get on with the times. Just play companions if you can. And this deck is doing exactly that, and it's playing a companion because it can, and it should. I okay, I gotta I gotta derail you here. So <laughs> one of Gigantha's costs is that your deck can't have more than one of the same mana cost in the symbol. And and immediately there's no real card that comes to mind that's like, oh yeah, like this deck would love to play this. But I'm curious to hear your take on this because I, I, I keep trying to build blue-black decks to play my Tainted Indulgence, and I keep running into this scenario where I'm like, okay, is it Counterspell or Drown in the Lock? And I, I, like, I feel like I'm going to have an aneurysm every time I have to think about it. So obviously Shadow has made the decision that Drown in the Lock is the move and i don't think it's just because oh we're in black so it's just better than counterspell what, what, do, you, what do you think the logistics there is because i don't tell me it's just ah so i could play giganta because i don't think that's true either no uh well the truth is that uh, it's a black red deck splashing blue it's not a blue black deck splashing red anymore so you're saying just they couldn't afford a blue blue otherwise they would play counterspell yeah i mean you're tr- you're playing 18 lands only right? And if you want to cast Counterspell on 2, you need to go Steam Vents into Death Shadow. And you're playing like a bunch of Inquisitions, you're playing Fatal Pushes, you're playing Unholy Heats. So you want to go like Blood Crypt, Blood Crypt more often than you want to go Blood Crypt, Water Grave. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But I, I mean... So at that point, you're, you're never casting Counterspell. So do you think that if like, let, let's just, just theoretically here. If Counterspell costs blue-black... Would they play Counterspell, or would they still be playing Drown? That's a much better question, and I'm not sure. 
Yeah. There's a lot of value in... Like, you're you're already playing Thoughts is an Inquisition, so you're turning on... And I think that's a big thing. Like, the fact that you're playing a bunch of Discard spells makes it so you want to drown more often. You're also playing a bunch of removal spells, so that also enables the drowns as well. So, uh, Drown is very close to Counterspell in this deck specifically, while your opponent can blanket in other decks, right? If you're playing Merktide, you need to have Counterspell, even if, you know, you had Blue-Red Drown the Lock. You probably would still play counterspell over it in Merktide specifically because you're you're not playing discard spells and you're not as good as enable at enabling drown. I my sense this deck is very good at doing that. is that there's a degree of the proactive element versus the reactive element. So drown the lock can be reactive, but you don't have to be. So you know, let's say I like slam my threats and then you resolve whatever creature, and now I just use drown the lock as terminate, right? Mm-hmm. Like that. That's that's the I think the biggest bonus here and then you just have to swallow the bitter pill that you know i'm just not going to be able to counter some of my opponent's stuff sometimes like probably the biggest one being murktide that's basically it like that's probably like the only card well i think that there's times where you don't get to do it right like if i had creature on one and then my opponent just like went fetch into ren and six it's like well i can't i can't counter that or like same thing with, uh, even if you had like discard spell and they went fetch, you're never going to be able to, to counter that to fairy on three, right? So I, I, I do think yeah. that there's a good amount of times where you don't get to counter stuff. Yeah, but the argument goes the other way around with elementals and primetime playing four copies of counter spells uh, each. Sure, sure. Right? So yeah, for, for every time that the first half of that argument happens, there's also like, a time where the other half of that argument happens, in that you get you get to kill a, res- a resolved recent reef. I don't know if it's a one for one, but it, it well, it, but like you, you you see my point. Like obviously, it's like it's a matter of percentages, right? Like what's going to happen more often, but right. Uh, but at the same time, it's well. Thank you for indulging me. You may continue with the the, <laughs> the challenge. What I don't understand is the only three shadows thing, and Canister is a very smart man. Oh, I I feel like I. The sh- shadow is just the worst card in the deck. Is that is that why? Like, is is the fourth shadow worse than the fourth DRC and the fourth Ragan and the fourth Shredder and the second Kruxa? Yes, yes, and yes. Even the second Kruxa? I think the Kruxa is the only one that you can have that argument with, and the second Kruxa I think is still better than the shadow because of the Shredder. It's like the Kruxa is just being propped up by the 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 shredder here okay so but at that point it just becomes so awkward like how how do you maneuver whether you want to be like turn one you have to fetch shock whether or not you are playing a spell because you're a shadow deck but now you don't see the shadow that often so like you're fetch shocking and you don't even know if you're going to be casting a shadow this game I don't. I don't have the answer for you i think uh my my thing i i think if i was trying to play these decks I, I, it, it is wild to me that they've just all decided that uh, Street Wraith is just never good enough anymore. And I, I think part of that is because they're like, oh, like a Turbo Shadow isn't worth it, right? Because you're just going to get it Prismatic Ending or Solituded. But I, I, I don't really feel like that argument sinks home to me. I feel like that's just saying, that's, a, that's an elaborate way of saying Shadow is bad. And I, I, I come back to, if Shadow is bad... Why are you playing this and not blue red Merktide? Yeah, that's a good point. 
I mean, I guess you really like the Inquisitions and Thought Seasons, but then at that point you could just be playing something like what uh, Yendrek always plays, right? Like just Grixis, Ragavan, DRC stuff, but without shadows. I don't and then your I mean, database becomes a lot less painful. It's it's worth noting Shadow is basically your attempt at having a Murktide here, and the Murktide decks are also only playing three Murktide, so... Maybe. Okay, so you're just playing Shredder, so you're going to see the three shadows more often because you're going to be churning through, through your deck so much quicker. Maybe. <laughs> That's the best I got. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's Canister, dude. It's really hard to get into the mind of Canister. <laughs> well, let me let me crank some some weird anime tunes real quick, and then uh, you know, then then we can get there and put some Yu-Gi-Oh as well. Yeah, like <laughs> Gachi Yu-Gi-Oh, and then and it's like, all right, now I got it. Now I understand. Now we got it. Fair enough. Yeah, our brain is not developed enough just yet. <laughs> Sweet. All right, blue red Merktide. Only three shredders. Shredders. Only three Merktides. I, I don't I'm think confused. I don't think people have figured out the correct numbers yet, and no, nobody seems to agree. There's six total. Some people are on four, two, one way. The three, three split strikes me as like I'm not confident, <laughs> so I did the coward split. But I mean, Do- Doom Switch is also very good, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I feel like I'm starting to see some of the the top Merktide players lean. Shredder, so maybe I shouldn't call them Merktide players anymore. <laughs> but I, I, it, I think I am starting to see more Shredders than Merktides. Yeah, that's interesting, and it's it's kind of weird how like Shredder kind of fit into all of those flex slots that we saw before. You know, before we had like sometimes they they play like one or two Bloodmoons in the main deck, and they play like a Bracing Borrower or two and stuff like that, and it's like well, yeah, just trim all the fat, or better yet, shred all that fat and. <laughs> I, I love that you made that joke because that that was the same joke that I made when I was streaming Asmo. I was like, Asmo's been getting hitting the gym and it shredded. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Sweet. Somehow we still have the one of Dresden on the one of Swellbeer, so I guess not all the fat has been trimmed, but the proper fat has been trimmed. So we're, <laughs> we're not we don't have a six pack just yet. We have like a four pack, maybe. Alright, it's it's coming. It's coming. Don't yeah. you worry. <laughs> How deep can this joke go? We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. This one I really like. Uh, this is a diversion of uh, of Fur Color that actually goes a little bit deeper on the elemental theme. I really like this version of the deck. I think that the main reason behind this is that this goes over the top of other Fur Color decks. I think that's the argument that I see the most. That's an argument that makes a lot of sense to me. You're playing like a one of Titania. You're playing your recent Reefs. You're playing, you know, Omnath, Fury, Endurance, like all the good stuff. And this deck is even main decking one Ember Cool the Promised End. So they can let be scroll for. So really hammering it home that we're beating the mirror whether you want it or not we're gonna be on top so i I like building this kind of deck in that way i think i i'm just like looking at this sideboard now and i'm like there's a yasharn and an obsidian charma like this deck went deep yeah yasharn against yakmoth obsidian charma against decks where magus of the moon would be much better against (laughs) and that's it I don't. I honestly don't know why people are playing Charmo. I feel like if you're playing this deck, like just embrace the fact that your mana base is incredibly good and honestly unreasonably good, and just play Magus. Like you can, you literally can. Your mana base can support Magus of the Moon even though you're playing for colors. Just embrace it and like don't play this stupid dragon. 
It's it's just so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. Just play Magus because that is the card that you want. Like that's the card that's gonna KO the decks that you want Charmo to KO against. You know, I think that that's kind of a waste. Anyway, another blue red Merktide deck, extremely close to Doom Switches, but you know some changes here and there. Ooh, another Merktide deck. Four Shredder to Merktide. See, right, there we go. See, that's a little. A little bit more confidence there. Still, still same thing. Belcher, I think this is just a copy paste from from Bob's list. Offer you can't refuse. Definitely a must play. Then we have a Gab Nassif on four color, and Gab's been also playing the the more elementals version of the deck, but he hasn't been going so all in on it. And you know, Gab is main decking one Magus of the Moon. Yes, Gab gets it. Gab gets it. This is what you should be doing. Like if you're gonna be doing this thing where you're main decking one anti-lance card, you should actually main deck the one that's good. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the one that's not. And then uh, the, the last one is another shred, uh, Shredder Shadow. But this one only ha- with two Shredders. This is this is fascinating. So th- this one only plays three DRC, but has four Shadow, and then the two Shredders. I, like, I don't know. It seems like nobody has a confirmed correct split of these shredders in any of these decks and it's like i I don't know just put it in there we'll figure it out at some point (laughs) yeah i like canister split better i think i think so too yeah i don't know like if you're only playing two shredders i don't know i I feel like you should at least be playing for drc's like drc is just turbo charges it's like so much yeah it really does it feels so wrong to not play for drc's i mean i don't i think that's one of the best cards in the format, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. certainly one of the best threats in the format, and it's like, why are you not just maximize that, right? Yeah, exactly. I actually, so, I was looking at it, and I, I know I mentioned Yasharn already, but I, I have a quick rules clarification of, you mentioned versus Yogmoth. That doesn't stop the, the Grist sack, does it? I, I don't think it does. Uh, that's a good question, actually. I mean, it it always it always stops Yawkmoth, right? Right, right. But if it misses the Gris, then it's then it's not as much of the slam dunk as it maybe appears to be. And at that point, it's like, do you do you really need Yasharn then? That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, I mean, it says you may sack a creature when you do this. Oh no, yeah, I think it it actually dodges it. Yeah, because it says you may, so they you just you're just not given the option. So then you just don't get the effect. Well, no, no. So the, your Sharn says players can't pay life or sacrifice non-land permanents to cast spells or activate abilities. So you're not you're not sacking anything to activate the ability. Judge. <laughs> uh, I, I I legit don't know. Like that's super weird. Gut tells me that it works. Like it, as as in you can still grist kill the Yasharn. Yeah, same. But. But I'm not sure. Like, I, I could honestly see either way. And I'm pretty sure that there are some judges out there saying one thing, and there are some judges out there saying the oh, other Oh, probably. Thing, so. If you ask this question in a tournament, uh, get clarification, do the head judge thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and l- unless it went your way, and then and then you just say, oh, yes, of course, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. Don't mess around with it. That's comp REL for you. <laughs> This is kind of what Modern is looking right now. As we were saying, there was like a, a paper event that happened in DreamHack Dallas. But there's like two Junt decks in the top eight. So we cannot take, by definition, we cannot take this <laughs> this event seriously, I don't think. Also, Merfolk is in 13th place. So that right there is 
That's a no-no, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you can say all you want. I love you, Nikachu, but Mirafolk's just not... I. You know what? You know what? My favorite <laughs> thing from this tournament is still Doomwake, Devin O'Donnell, in 25th place, playing what he titled Tenrak. You know, and uh, he was playing Rhinos, but t- took Tenrak all the way to 25th. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Also, why? Why? <laughs> that's, that's the question that has me thinking about. It, why not? That's the better question. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, it's it's empty Jumela is like, is the wild, wild west. You can just do whatever you want. Nobody's going to come checking you. So even, even so, even with this weird tournament, I, I think, you know, paper tournaments are often kind of weird right now and um, just not exactly the same as what's going on in MTGO. I, I still think we see a lot of similar things. We've seen Yawgmoth come to prominence. There st- seems to be a lot of uh, Murktide, a decent amount of four color. The top eight does have a Bring Delight list in there, which it, my opinion is Bring Delight is trying to do a similar thing that Elementals is trying to do, which is basically just you're playing four color, but you're trying to win the mirror. I don't know which approach is better. My gut says Elementals mostly just because BTL gets shut down by Teferi, where Elementals doesn't. Yeah, obviously, like this deck list is uh, actually has some answers to Teferi in like uh, like you're playing Iteration, you're playing Prismatic Ending. Like this is basically like a four color deck, right? Like it's not. Uh, in the past, we had like you know like a bunch of explorers trying to do the ramp thing and like whatever, and it's like here we're just playing some Gracers because they block Ragaman. And then besides that, we're just playing good cards, right? Yeah. So the the only medium cards in this deck are just the one Valky and the one Scape Shift, which are obviously BTL targets that are outstanding whenever whenever you're doing the thing, right? Um, but yeah, um, I think that it's one of those things where this deck just lines up better against certain decks. Like, for example, I think this deck lines up very well against Amulet, for example. Um, or like this deck lines up well where when you're trying to race because this deck can race a lot better than elementals so like even though you get paired against belcher like this deck can win on turn four right so yeah it actually gives you like a obviously it takes a god hand right like turn one gracer into turn two dryad into escape shift like <laughs> technically turn three you know so you if you have the god hand you can actually win on turn three uh, likely not not very much, but yes, you, you get to go over the top, and in order to go over the top, you need, I guess you need le- you need less moving pieces, because your moving pieces are lands, and they are not very easily interacted with, especially when people are playing Obsidian Charmo, you know? <laughs> right. So five mana to blow up a land is not that good of a deal, you know what I'm saying? It's, I don't know, it's fascinating to me. There's so many different ways. I, I know you already harped on different builds of four color but btl and frankly even creativity are kind of just more of that and then they just take different deck building constraints or it's like mm-hmm. you know uh creativity adds some clunkiness where you have to not play your pitch elementals but you know like this deck doesn't have to do that you can still play your pitch elementals they in this case didn't but you could but then, of course, you're vulnerable to Teferi, and it's like, I, I don't know, it's just uh, Ren and Six, Teferi, good removal cards, Omnath, maybe, you know, expressive. These things win the game. 
yeah, it's it's a recipe for success, you know, and then you can kind of like choose which way you try to, to bring things. One thing that I wanted to point out is we, we've talked about this multiple times before, but like this is, a, this can be, if you want it, a Chalice of the Void deck, right? Yeah. Which is another interesting axis that you, you can you can use to attack. Yeah, yeah. Chalice uh, with Prismatic Ending March is very good. But yeah, sh- shout out to Sol Malka on second place playing... John Saga, uh, or or the Rock, of course. Uh, off note, and, and this is this is something that I love against Soul. Whenever he builds like his, you know, his decks, he like he knows what's up. So we're not playing Liliana or something like that, which I've seen people do. You know, Lurus gets banned, and we try to jam Liliana in his place. You are a green bl- green red deck, right? Like black black is really. Not where you want to. What you want to be trying to generate? He's also playing only three sagas and twenty-four lands, while these decks in the past were playing like twenty-two lands with four sagas or something ridiculous that was just unreasonable. <laughs> He's also playing ten fetch lands. Like all of this is just ah, chef's kiss. Like if you're gonna be doing the, if you're gonna be leaving the John life. You may as well be be soul. Like he he lives the John life the way that it's meant to be to be lived. You know, like he he's very very conscious about every decision that he makes, and uh, every single card choice uh, has. Like if you ask him about every single card choice, he he'll have a good reasonable argument for you. Yeah, I mean that there's no surprise there, right? Like this is this is the original rock. Like this is the guy. So telling me that oh yeah he did that well is like well. You know, name a more iconic duo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Um, sweet. So let's wrap this up. Yeah. Where can we find you on the internet, Spider? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at SpiderspaceMTG. And in theory, you can find me on Twitch at Spiderspace. I've uh, been a little bit absent in, in the stream life lately, but um, looking to, to get back to that. I actually had some stuff on the the real life side I was doing some classes during that time and uh just kind of got busy but uh still like magic still gonna still gonna try to make content when i can so if you want to see it follow me then you'll know when i'm going live so yeah i was gonna ask that like are you planning on playing any events or anything like that yeah i mean i i always you know if, if there's something competitive going on I'm, and, and i have the ability to play in it i'm gonna play in it i haven't gotten to do a challenge in quite a while and i'm I'm, I'm starting to get that itch so you, you might see me doing some sort of nonsense i usually am doing nonsense in the challenges but but it works out for you somehow. yeah it does yeah <laughs> All right, sweet. And you can find me mostly on YouTube these days. That is uh, at FFavolushMTG. But I'm trying to do at least one stream a week. So And that happens on twitch.tv slash F-P-A-W-L-U-S-Z. And you will not find me on Twitter. So because I've been I've, uh, officially, unofficially quit Twitter. So you will not find me there. <laughs> but uh, I will still post whenever I'm going live and, and stuff like that. So... I still haven't entirely quit, but I, I don't check it, basically. It's been good. I recommend it. I All recommend right. it. Dude, like since I quit Twitter, I've been playing so much drums. I've been I've been back at it, dude. The fire is back. It's crazy. It was immediate. Wow. So if I if I immediate. stop doing Twitter, I'll just know drums? Like that sounds like a good deal. That's literally how it works. That's exactly how it works. 
All right, folks, thank you so much for listening. This ended up being a long episode. I told you, Spider, when it was just the two of us, I'm like, we're just gonna, we're just gonna babble. We're just gonna babble. That's hard. what we come here to do. And that's hopefully what you enjoy that to hear us do. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care and bye-bye, folks.